So Brett, what would you sell your soul for? I'd sell my soul for a nice cold Dr. Pepper. Oh, really? I was thinking I'd sell mine for a Klondike bar. Oh, yeah. Good call. Good call. Um, I mean, how about a Dr. Pepper and a Klondike bar? Yeah, like a a, a Klondike bar f- flavored Dr. Pepper or vice versa. I mean, I don't think those are like Reese's where uh, combining them is going to create something magical and innovative. But yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. Why not? I'd sell my soul for something unique that only I could get that's probably disgusting and no one else would want anyway. That sounds like a good use of a soul. That sounds about right. All right. Wish granted. To hell with you. This is Necromancer. Necromancer. My name is Shira, and in the words of Ted Lasso, I am a rom communist. Ah, uh, my name is Brett, and in the words of Brett, I'm a horror movie fan. That's right. Each week here on Necromancer, I pick a romantic comedy and Brett picks a horror movie. And then we flip flop those movies around and turn the horror into a romantic comedy and the romantic comedy into a horror. If you haven't already guessed, this week's episode is about the Prince of Darkness himself or herself, the devil, Satan, Lucifer, Beelzebub. (laughs) Uh, are you a fan of Satan? Would you say that you're one of his cheerleaders? <laughs> uh, for those of you who are new to the podcast, Brett is referencing our cheerleader-themed episode, Satan's Cheerleader. And yeah, I'll, I'll say, uh, what is it that they said in Satan's Cheerleaders? Oh, Satana? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, rock on, Satan. I mean, it feels like a lot of the cool stuff gets done in Satan's name. Like, God loves athletes, and athletes love God back really hard. So I feel like God has that on his side. So God's got the jocks, but the devil has all the cool kids. Yeah. Yeah, God's got to be pretty boring. Where was God in both of these movies? Well, I mean, I guess he wasn't bedazzled a little bit, but... God was in this movie, too. His <laughs> heavenly light made right. an appearance, and and so did his God logic of self-sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing God loves more than self-sacrifice, and there's nothing the devil loves more than self-interest. Right. Yeah. So are are you a fan of uh the devil's works? Yeah. His arithmetic. I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of the devil. I mean, I grew up Catholic, so like having this figure who was out there specifically just to mess with you and to punish you for falling for his messing, for his meddling, that that was pretty scary. Eternal I mean, damnation, Shira. <laughs> Eternal damnation. You grew up Catholic? Yeah, 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 yeah. I had to go to Sunday school and everything. 
So you're much more familiar with the devil's works than than I am. I my parents raised me essentially without religion. So I mean in Constantine's world, I'm, you know, already one of the damned, you know. Yeah. I, I am I am going to the afterlife unshriven. But uh, no, it's also funny because when uh when Angela mentions the Spear of Destiny, she's like, Yeah, I was raised Catholic. I was like, Yeah, me too. I've never heard of the Spear of Destiny. Oh, even I've heard of the Spear of Destiny. I've never heard of it, no. I feel like like uh, for me, all of my exposure to the devil has been through pop culture and yeah. literature. So I of course I find the story of the fall very appealing and interesting. Yeah. This idea of one of God's angels. Uh and that I mean it is it's a it's a great anti-hero arc, you know, the one angel who rebels against God and starts their own empire. Uh, their own place that they can be a god of. And, you know, essentially, other than the big war about it, God seems to be fine with this. Like, there's there's plenty of room for the devil in God's plan. Yeah. And, yeah, I like the evolution of the devil in terms of uh, my personal... Uh, relationship with like pop culture in terms of like yeah at first he was just the devil he was just a bad guy but then as you get older and you start to get exposed to more cool stuff you're like oh wait the devil is actually this tragic hero he got um he got wicked right before being wicked was cool (laughs) oh that is such a good comparison Yeah. yeah i definitely think that the devil is the wicked witch and god is glinda because here's glinda coming in saying i'm a good witch and never mind the fact dorothy that your house just fell on this lady she was bad trust me now let's take that bitch's shoes yeah I don't don't know. So yeah, I just, I really do like that idea of like this character who could be evil also doing stuff for the sake of good in a way or for a good reason or just, I don't know. There's a lot of iterations of the devil. There's a lot of interpretations. Well, it seems like today's Satanists are really into the idea of how Satan is connected with free will. You know, they're, while I, I do say that there is room for the devil in God's in God's plan, there is definitely not room for free will, for individualism, right. for um, personal freedom or expression. And uh, I think the devil makes it fun for us to break all of the rules and to have fun even if it crosses some moral boundaries. So I think it's, you know, it's rich fodder for storytelling, obviously. Yeah. And like as an actor, come on. Oh, so much fun. So much fun. Do you think it's more fun to play the devil as an actress or an actor? I think I I honestly think it would be both. Like it's got to be fun regardless of who you are the devil has got to be one of the juiciest most funnest roles period oh yeah i a hundred percent agree uh yeah i would say that in both of these movies constantine and bedazzled the actor and actress playing the devil seems to be having the time of their life yeah i would have i would imagine that like 
nine out of 10 actors would prefer playing the devil instead of God. The God just seems so boring. Ugh. Tell that to Morgan Freeman. Yeah. <laughs> but I still think if Morgan Freeman had the opportunity to play the devil, he'd totally take it. Yeah. In like a Deadpool 3 kind of movie where it's like twisting it on its head, a little meta with it. Yeah. That oh, would be I cool. could definitely see that. So, which movie should we do first? Well, I'm all up for tackling Bedazzled first. That's the order I watched them in, Bedazzled and Constantine. Um, Same here. Yeah. Also, I just, I've seen Constantine so many times because I love it. Constantly. Um, But like Bedazzled is fresh in my mind because I, I hadn't seen it since it came out in theaters. So like, neither yeah. have I. This was kind of a this was a roll of the dice for us uh, because I think it was the same for both of us in that we remember seeing this movie in theaters when it came out, and I think we both remembered enjoying it when we saw it initially, but we mm-hmm. weren't sure if it was going to hold up and and be as fun now uh, as it was then and. I'm no longer looking at the movie with the purity of a young adult, but I had fun watching it. Uh, yeah, I thought this movie was great. I had I had no idea Harold Ramis directed it. That's one of those, like, Harold Ramis has so many movies that he's just low-key directed that are, like, amazing movies. He's a Ghostbusters director, right? Uh... No, he, he, Ivan Reitman directed Ghostbusters, but yes, he was a large part in, in making Ghostbusters what it was. Wait, was he one of the Ghostbusters? Yes, he he was. was Egon. Okay. Okay. And he's tall. He's six foot two. Harold Ramis. Yeah. Gonna go on a date with Egon. <laughs> yeah, I I think that it was a lot of fun. And friend of the podcast, Dudley Moore from Author Ar- Author from <laughs> Arthur is the person who wrote the original story. Uh and he starred in the Brendan Fraser role in the original movie, which was directed by Stanley Donnan. Now I haven't seen the original Bedazzled, so I can't compare it to this. And I think it's better that I haven't seen it watching this movie. So I don't, so it doesn't, you know, cheapen the experience by just comparing it to the original. Um, But now I am kind of curious to see what Dudley Moore and Stanley Donnan's spin on this movie was. Uh, But I, you know, I felt like the casting here was so much fun. I mean, you got Brendan Fraser, Francis O'Connor, Miriam Shore, Orlando Jones is in the movie. Uh, we got Toby Huss. Toby um, Huss. I love Toby Huss. He's so underrated. What a treasure. <laughs> Absolutely. And then... Not to be forgotten, Elizabeth Hurley as the devil. Wah, wah, wee, wah. Oh, man. Yeah. I saw this movie when I was a teenager, so. (laughs) (laughs) So you were like those guys in the classroom when Elizabeth Hurley says, 
no homework and don't neglect your video games. Yeah, as a teenager, having no homework and lots of video games was very important to me. So that was like <laughs> the so only was thing. Hurley. So that was like the only thing from that scene that I that I really related to, that I really liked. <laughs> that just That's that it, part. I promise, just that part. Not not all the playful snapping of the ruler and spinning what? tartan oh! skirts. <laughs> um, but yeah, I you know I I had a lot of fun with this movie, and I I felt like it was a really good vehicle for Brendan Fraser to do some of his physical comedy. I just I poor beautiful Brendan Fraser. We yeah. will we will have to treat him to his own episode eventually, because uh, of course Rachel Wise and Constantine reminded me how much I love the Mummy. The Mummy, um, Ugh. Ugh. just an amazing masterpiece. But yeah, here we are, kind of in the middle of Brendan Fraser's rise or ascendancy when he's doing really well, and I just I think this was the perfect role for him. Yeah. Um, so you picked this movie and then we picked the theme around it, right? So sometimes we go, usually we do it the other way, but every once in a while there's a movie where we're like, you know what? I just really want to watch this movie. So let's pick this movie and then we'll do something around it. So why, why now? Why bedazzled? Why now? Well, Number one, I will say that this is kind of a weird case because in addition to us sometimes picking a movie and reverse engineering the theme, just a little peek behind the curtain here, I do have a big list of potential themes that I highlight or cross off as we do them. So really, mm -hmm. we're in no danger of ever running out of themes. No. But <laughs> I'd had the devil as a theme in my back pocket for so long, and I knew that for the devil... Bedazzled would be a great rom-com option. Yeah. It was just a matter of like, okay, well, when do I pull this one out? It's similar for cross-dressing. Like we're going to have to get to cross-dressing and drag eventually. And when we do, I have a pretty good idea of which movie I'd like to choose, but it's just like, okay, well, we'll win. And I think that now felt like a really good time to watch Bedazzled because our boy Brendan Fraser's having a bit of a Fraser'sance or Brendan Brendanazance, yeah. uh, where he's he's coming back into popularity again. People are beginning to appreciate him as an actor again. And I thought, you know what? It's been a while since I saw Bedazzled. We haven't done The Devil yet. This is going to be a ton of fun. Let's just do it. Yeah, you gave in to temptation. You finally caved. Ah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, the story of Brendan Fraser is pretty interesting just in terms of, yeah, he was super popular for a bit because he was an up-and-coming megastar, and then he just kind of disappeared. And then the internet always kind of had this special little spot for him, but it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Keanu Reeves in that sense of like there was always a special mm, little comparison. spot, but then it just like it just grew and grew and just not through anything that Brendan Fraser was doing, not through anything Keanu Reeves was doing, just by being cool and by being themselves and by picking projects that were available to them that they liked. 
people just were like, yeah, this is like a cool guy. So yeah, for people who don't know, Brendan Fraser disappeared because he had injuries, right? He was doing some of his own stunt work and whatnot, and he was injured. So that put a a cap on what he could do. And then also there was like... And he's a very physical actor, too. Yeah. And he, there he's was kind also... Of like a, he's like a Burt Lancaster type. I don't know if I've seen enough Burt Lancaster stuff. <laughs> but um, also there was some like sexual harassment type stuff in terms of he was the one who was being Trigger harassed. Trigger warning. Right. Yes. He was traumatized and harassed by the president of the Hollywood Foreign Press. Right. Uh, and then was he blacklisted and, because of it? Or no, one of those situations? Well, what happened, according to Brendan, we're on a first name basis, of course. Of course. Uh, was, was that after this incident occurred, he very bravely asked for an apology. And he got kind of a non-answer right. um, and a non-acknowledgement of the trauma that he went through. And... It's more of a theory, but I think you could say his theory is correct just based on the evidence that after that incident, he got blackballed or blacklisted. Yeah. Uh, and I think he also suffered a pretty intense um, separation and divorce where uh, he, yeah. you know, ultimately, I mean, not not to to. I don't know. But but the the point is that he really fell on hard times and then fell into obscurity as a result. Uh and and yeah, he's kind of got his own book of job story where Yeah, know. but just it, it's one of those like karmic type things where like because he was such a good guy, like karma came back to say, "Hey, yeah, you had great energy in these movies. People really liked you behind the scenes. And then your fans really liked you growing up. So like this perfect storm of internet memeability where like, <laughs> yeah, he just, he's become a, a new reborn icon. And he's going to be in a, the new Martin Scorsese flick, right? Right. So yeah, something... Yeah. Something like that. Yes, he is. Uh, and and I'm glad to see him getting back into things. The devil yeah. can't keep Brendan Fraser down. Now. So, yeah, it's super cool. Um, I honestly did not think of Brendan Fraser as this kind of comedian, like, or comedic actor. I, in my head, would have maybe thought that, like, Dana Carvey... <laughs> Would be a good fit for this role, or someone the master of disguise. Am I not turtly enough for the turtle <laughs> club? <laughs> uh, yeah, like this is. I was exactly thinking master of disguise before I watched this movie. Like I did not think Brendan Fraser in my mind was like the perfect guy for this movie, but in rewatching it, like yeah, he he's not like um a, a skit type actor what, what do i like an impressionist i don't think of him like an impressionist which is kind of what this movie is giving him it's just giving him a bunch of impressions to have fun with but mm -hmm. he does he has so much fun in every single role in this movie that 
yeah, he he really stands out. He really makes this I, movie fun. I do think, though, that they give him impressions and scenarios that he is specifically great for. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, like, I, I feel like the movie has a really good sense of what kind of impressions or skits or personas would be funny for Brendan Fraser to specifically play rather than, okay, any actor, any lead actor can do this part. No, it's, right. it's funnier when King of the Himbos, Brendan Fraser plays this, you know, cosmopolitan intellectual guy. Cause it's so not the type of person he is. Right. Yeah. He's not trying to box outside his weight class here. Everything is perfectly, yeah, you're right. Everything is perfectly tailored to his style. Like, yeah. So this seems like a movie that was not only written very well, but also rehearsed very well and tweaked ahead of time, like in pre-production. They probably had a lot of fun just going over back and forth with a fine-tooth comb, like, how can we use Brendan Fraser to the max? And Brendan Fraser was game for all of it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Should we get into the story? Ooh, I can't wait. So here we go. I love, what did you think of the opening credits? I thought that they were cute. You know, I've noticed in the past, whenever we've talked about cutesy opening credits, that they don't tend to have much of an impact on you, but a huge impact on me. Uh, And I I love it. I like the cutesy credits. And I like that they bookend the movie with the cutesy credits, too. No, no, no. Yeah, I thought that they were great. I think, like, when I say most movie opening credits are dumb... I mean, you have to remember that there's like, how how many movies are there? Over 10 million, right? Like there's a bunch of movies. So uh, most of them are dumb. However, on this podcast, we've hit a lot of good ways on how to do opening credits. And this is one of them. Yeah, it gives you the theme. It gives you the thesis of the movie right away, which is that like, anyone you know like strangers you don't know who people are but also it kind of is like eh, anyone is corruptible right like everyone has right. their weaknesses um not everyone is perfect uh so essentially what is happening is this is the devil sort of sifting through humans to find her perfect mark right like she she's she, like the terminator except she sees sin yeah. Or maybe RoboCop, except for crime, <laughs> she sees souls to take. Uh, and so eventually she settles on Elliot Richards, who is a geeky, overzealous man working a dead-end job in a San Francisco computer company. So he has no friends. Everyone walks over him. He He is one of those characters where he tries so hard to be a nice, friendly good guy that he just makes everyone hate him with how annoying he is which is a very relatable thing go ahead Uh, he does yeah and he does such a great job in this character because like i said 
in my mind, Brendan Fraser at this point in his career is the king of himbos. Uh, he's just a beautiful, stupid, sweet man, or at least that's kind of the character he plays. But here he's, you know, he's a geeky guy. He's got the, um, she's all that shorthand for nerdy characters with his middle part and sex offender glasses. (laughs) And, and just the way that he interacts with all of those characters and then they try to avoid him. He kind of reminds me of the uh, the energy vampire from What We Do in the Shadows, where yeah, just okay. his his mediocrity is enough to sap the energy from everyone else. But he's a right. sweet guy. He's an attentive guy. He listens and he cares, but he does it in just such a way that feels so desperate. Yeah, it's such a great, it, like, it's such a great, main character to have for a comedy because you get to enjoy watching him go through the ringer not because you enjoy watching a character like this go through the ringer but because you enjoy watching brendan frazier just clear those acting hurdles of like getting to do all of this fun stuff but then as a character like oh you you feel bad for him and you want him to succeed (laughs) like oh i just I want him to just have a good life. And yeah, you're like, if only you would stop trying so hard. But at the same time, he does have a, a, like he's trying so hard in the sense that he does have a unique connection to everyone around him. And he's, he's trying to be genuine, but it's just not coming out right. Oh, it's so painful. Well, it's like he has, you know, I think one of the funniest qualities to a nerdy character like this is their lack of awareness. And so you can get a ton of comedy just out of his lack of awareness. Like when he walks into the bar and everybody is hiding from him and it's so obvious that they don't want him to come over, but he just says, Oh, I can see you guys. Yeah. Uh, And it it just completely goes over his head. I think, Uh, I think, though there are those hints though that like he is aware like when he says like i bet you guys feel stupid like there is this almost sense of like he's he's trying subtly to say like hey guys not cool but i'm gonna let it go because i'm so desperate like he gets the hints but he just pushes through them because he is that desperate just for human connection which is so sad but also like very relatable very relatable so uh he all of his co-workers avoid that avoid him they go to the bar um and he he shows up at the bar and sits with them and then they all kind of push him to go talk to this pretty girl Allison Gardner who works with them and um he knows who Allison is but of course she doesn't know who he is so when he goes up to introduce himself he's like hey you know, we met once out in the rain three years ago. And she's like, uh, oh, okay. And then he fails to ask her out. She ditches him. By the time he does get the courage, oh, she's already gone. So what's he going to do? Well, he wishes that he could have her, essentially. And then, boom, boom cut to rock music, cut to energetic pool ball, cut to like, 
this movie is wild thing. This movie is extremely cinematic, which I know I have said before for comedies uh, is like, uh... you know what I mean? But Harold, if you take a look at Harold Ramis's filmography, His he's, oeuvre. he's got some of the best examples of what a comedically cinematic movie might look like. Groundhog's Day, Caddyshack, multiplicity he's worked on other ones like ghostbusters i think is an extremely cinematic comedy so yeah the movie just kicks to life with this rock and roll like sex vibe as elizabeth hurley seduces him over and says hey i can pretty much give you anything you want Oh, it's such a great intro to her character, too, with the cue ball rolling to him. And then she actually shoots her shot and all the balls go into their pockets. And then she shoots the eight ball and it goes into the pocket that's right over Brendan Fraser's groin. So it's like, oh, she's she's um, I don't know. She's a very powerful woman, the devil. Yes. And. He's a very shy character. She's a ballbuster. That's what I meant it to yes. say. <laughs> uh, Brendan Fraser is a very shy character, and Elizabeth Hurley is a very confident character. And but she plays around his shyness in a way that is like, I don't know. It's unique. It's it's not like she's she's not trying to baby him. Right? She's not trying to like seduce him in the way of like, here, let me coddle you and reassure you. She's like seducing him in a strong arm, strong willed way where she's like, no, if we're going to do this, you need to meet me halfway or you need to come over here to my side. So, yeah, you can be cutesy and shy and nervous and everything, but when you actually say the things that you mean, when you make the wishes, when you sign the contract, you're coming over to my side. And so it kind of gives him these hints of, like, stepping up, but also being lured, but also being tempted, and also not being sure. So, like, ah, it's just such a wonderful dynamic. It is a wonderful dynamic. And I would argue that the devil and Elliot have, you know, oodles more chemistry than he ever has with Allison or, oh, yeah. spoiler alert, the Allison clone <laughs> at the end. <laughs> but but yeah, you know, and when the devil says, I, I, I actually like you, you kind of, you want to believe her, not just because she probably says this to literally every person whose soul she takes, right. but in the case of Elliot, you get the feeling she really means it. She really gets a kick out of him and yeah. gets a kick out of shocking him and, and you know pushing him to get out of his comfort zone in a way that nobody else in the movie really pushes him. They belittle him. They, you know, put him down or they ignore him. She really is, you know, she's like his Henry Higgins. She's bringing out the fair lady. Yeah. Uh, And so, of course, 
we have some fun with the you're not really the devil oh my god how'd you do that costume change disappearing reappearing turning stuff on fire having fun like she's just constantly causing chaos wherever she goes i love (laughs) all of her costume changes from the literal costumes like the meter maid and the nurse to her whole leather jumpsuit moment that was giving me Britney Spears vibes and the hair extensions and uh, Elizabeth Hurley looked great the entire movie. And not just because she's Elizabeth Hurley, the costuming was pretty, pretty detailed and and perfect for that character. Yeah. And I also liked the Scientology joke in the Uh, beginning. Yeah. (laughs) So great. Before Scientology (laughs) had fully taken over Hollywood, we could still joke about it. Yeah, there there are some movies that you can find where they they make a little Scientology dig, quote unquote, like before it was cool. We're like, yeah, you can see how Scientology really did hit Hollywood specifically before it hit the rest of the world. And a big part of Hollywood was like, this Scientology thing's crazy, right, guys? But who would have known that? I also what it would wondered. Become? I wondered, they never said this, but when she offers him the cookies that taste just like grandma's cookies, is it a temptation or is grandma in hell? That's a good point. I don't, I didn't think about that, but yeah, his reaction to like, these are grandma's cookies. Like, And then when she's like, did you like that? And, you know, she's just talking about everything in general. And he's like, the cookie? Like, he's such a <laughs> I loved dupe. that part. He's such a dupe. He's a um, huge doofus. Uh, I also like that the devil is a nonprofit corporation. Did you catch that part? Right. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. And so, essentially, she gets him to sign the contract. Right. Like she, she bullies him into it. She tricks him into it. She, she lures him into it. She gets him to sign the contract. But because we see on the TV, you know, we see the dreamy Brendan Fraser with the girl. Fabio, Brendan. Fabio, yeah. Uh, And he's like, sign it, sign it. And it's it's just silly enough to make the movie feel satisfying when he does sign it. Instead of you going, no, don't sign it. You're on the side of, yeah, sign it. Let's let's go have some hijinks before you get saved. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I was rooting for him to sign it because yeah. <laughs> already just the the image of Fabio Brendan Fraser right. was enough to make me feel like, oh yeah, we're gonna get into some hijinks. Let's do it. Heck yeah. So he signs the contract and then um uh well actually no, so this is weird. This is what uh, it kind of comes up later, but we can just talk about it now. As a test, she's like, hey, make a wish. Wish for anything in the world. And he's like, all right, a Big Mac and a Coke. And then I love- Oh, this the... is pre-contract. Right. And so then they cut, to, they, they have the bus come up, and then they, they do the montage of her ordering the Coke for him, or the Big Mac and the Coke for him. But they have that rock music. Dun, 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 Wild thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, and then he has to pay for it too, which of course is like a really cute way to signal that, like, yeah, you get your wish, but there's always a catch, as Constantine would say, always right, a catch, right? And of course, the devil would be like, "Can I bum three forty-seven for you?" Right. Also, <laughs> what are these inflation prices yeah, in this seriously. movie? A Big Mac and a Coke, no fries, yeah. is three dollars and forty-seven cents. <laughs> 
In what world? Yeah. Um, so after the Big Mac and Coke, she takes him to the nightclub. That's where he signs the contract and stuff. I mean, this is spoilers, but people know by now, if you're listening to this podcast, that we talk about the movie. Later, when she says, hey, the Big Mac and Coke was part of your seven, he hadn't signed the contract yet. I don't know. I feel like there's definitely a loophole there. There's definitely some wiggle room. I don't know. But but that's part of the devil's tricksy ways. That's true. So then he gets at this point he thinks he's getting seven wishes great so of course every time he makes a wish um (laughs) every time he makes a wish something goes wrong so let's go through the wishes super quick just talk about anything that you like from them i mean if we if you know i feel like we could talk about them all day but (laughs) yeah i'll i'll try to i'll try to keep it keep it grounded but yeah Episode one is the drug lord. He wishes to be rich and powerful and for Allison to be married to him. Thus, Colombian drug lord with a nose prosthetic. (laughs) Great. Um, What I really loved right off the bat was how we get the inclusion of his quote unquote friends. Like, they're going to be reoccurring characters, kind of like a Wizard of Oz type thing. Like, and you were there and you were there. Um, I love that that gimmick too. It's such a great shorthand to maximize the the cartoon effects of what these side characters are. But yes, uh, what stood out to you other than the prosthetic nose about Corazon? Uh, <laughs> I did like the way he kept repeating Corazon at, <laughs> at Allison, uh, but I also liked. Uh, that this was a great showcase for Brendan Fraser's physical comedy, the shootout scene when he throws the (laughs) kilo of cocaine in the air and fires at it to create a distraction. And then he grabs onto the railing of the, or the leg of the helicopter and he's just hanging off of it. It, Again, it just, it feels so perfect for Brendan Fraser it's, that this um, is the comedy part. Him trying to get out of this gunfight. It's a. It's also a very hard physical comedy thing to do. I think to do the thing of I can't speak Spanish. Oh wait, I am speaking Spanish now. That kind of my body is acting surprised and my face is acting surprised, but I'm giving a very calm, reassured performance. It's a very, like, it's a very Jim Carrey thing to do, right? (laughs) Like, it's, I think it's Yeah, but I feel like Jim Carrey would be, Jim Carrey would be so manic in this role, whereas I feel like Brendan Fraser knows just when to dial it back. Yeah, but what I'm thinking about specifically is maybe something like me, myself, and Irene, where he has to fight himself. So, like, where your body has to do... Like, he has to fight himself. I don't know. It's just... Like Steve yeah, Martin and all of me. Yeah, that's a that's a hard thing to do when he's... Like, when Steve Martin has two sides of him, like, we, we brought this out in All of Me, where um, his left side walks a different way than his right side. Like, that's a very hard thing to do comedically. So, yeah, right off the bat, Brendan Fraser is just out of the gates... Uh, hit the races. Great. Killing it. Uh, then next we get the uber-sensitive Brendan Fraser. 
Oh, I I loved this one. <laughs> Which is every oh God, yeah. when is that darn thing gonna set? Yeah. Uh it's so great. Um I, I wrote that down too, but then also in his song when he does the actual dolphin squeaking, it was so great. Um Oh, he just sells it so well. And even yeah. even his reaction to having sand kicked in his face is just right. so it's just so great. I found it an interesting makeup choice to give Brendan Fraser all of these different looks in right. each of his wishes. So he's Colombian in the first one which i mean eh, a little ickiness with the brown face and i mean this is definitely a 2002 movie versus a 2021 movie um and then in the sensitive guy he's inexplicably ginger uh but i guess i guess that makes sense i like that they give him a puka shell necklace because it just seems like something a sensitive guy would have right it's very uh dinkleman right it's very absolutely it's it, it's so so grimily um calibrated to be sensitive to the point where it's just gross um but yeah he's oh, he's too sensitive for her she needs just a man's man someone who will ignore her and just treat her like a piece of meat so who better to do that than some dumb brain jock big old basketball brendan fraser <laughs> Another great makeup choice because he does look like one of those weird white basketball players where they're always from Minnesota or Europe. Uh, Europe, and- <laughs> definitely, yeah. Uh, Kevin Nash. And they're just big and weird looking. Yeah, if you but don't yeah. know... Yeah, if you don't know who Kevin Nash is, uh, he's basically Kevin Nash in this movie. He's like... Um, he's just... Yeah, he's this giant white like gooberish viking of a man (laughs) Um, (laughs) i loved the montage of his basketball playing this again another moment for brendan fraser to just have so much fun with the physical part of the comedy like him going up for a layup and he's in the air for such a long time or when he of course shack style he breaks the backboard and then he spits out some of the glass (laughs) orlando jones's commentary of like spitting glass at your ass and then yeah toby huss and orlando jones as the commentators like yeah of course they're the cartoon characters who are going to show up on the side to be like yeah they can fit into any role they have fun oh so great but all right so he's super tall he's super athletic he's a very animalistic physical man man manly man. but but when he takes off his towel in the uh, locker room Unfortunately, he's got a little teeny weeny. And so she laughs at him and says that she's got bigger things to work on over at the NFL. And so what does he do? Of course, he he dials on over to the devil, but he gets the number wrong. Because uh, he he's a dumb jock down. now. Right. I, I love that. Also, who knew Allison was such a size queen? Was what? <laughs> I'm just making a dumbass joke. I said, who knew Allison was such a size queen? Oh yeah, no, it was it. It must have been very, very small. <laughs> um, I, I imagine her, her like very small. 
So uh, what, what this does, though, is it really makes it funny when for his next wish, he knows that when he asks for a good sized member, he's like, but not jokishly large not freakishly not like a practical joke size he's like you know and he holds up his fist and i love elizabeth hurley's like mirroring of him where she's like "Mm." like she doesn't say anything but she's like i get you just a nice good size it's so funny um but yeah so now his next um his next thing that he's done is he wants to be smart rich talented he wants to actually impress her and have her like him for who he is. He's basically got it all, right? He's got everything down that you could want. There's zero things that could go wrong with this wish. So he comes in and he's super smart in like the most ultimate Frasier-ish way. He's very he's witty. totally Frasier. <laughs> he's very witty. Uh, and then he meets up with uh, Allison, who instantly is like just swooning over him and she loves his books she loves his materials she wants to go back to his place he wants to go back to his place they go back to his place and then before they can kiss who's in their bed but his toby huss toby huss his uh (laughs) boyfriend husband i didn't know if they were married or not i didn't catch that i was too busy having fun with the scene but um yeah so brendan fraser and this is this is it, it, it may it reminded me of um or made me think of just friends, right? Because also Ryan Reynolds, I thought, would have been a good contender for this role. Ryan Reynolds could have done this. I right. I still maintain that this would have been Jim Carrey would have been too manic, but I think I Ryan you. Reynolds could have gotten this just right because I, I think that Ryan Reynolds can do nerd drag. Yeah. And so uh, but I'm, you know, Ryan Reynolds, obviously, in the overall history of movies, doesn't need this kind of movie. Like, it's so great that Brendan Fraser got this and hit it out of the park when he did. Um, and so, uh, unlike Just Friends, which is a which was 2005, this movie is 2000. Um, oh, I thought it was two. Okay, 2000. So... This movie uses being gay as a punchline because it turns out Brendan Fraser is gay. However, the delivery of him challenging Allison to kiss him to prove that he's not gay and then immediately after the kiss going, nope, I'm gay. Thanks for stopping by. Holds out his hand to shake her hand. Like, oh my God, it was so funny. I could not stop laughing. He's just like, nope, I'm gay. Thanks for stopping by. Just... I liked that too. I mean, <laughs> certainly the the parody of a gay man that Toby Huss is playing is this sort of like very, you know, over the top right. femme gay guy. Maybe doesn't age as well. But yeah, that part when he kisses her and he's like, nope, gay. Uh, right. and, and Toby Huss is like, this is just like Fire Island. Yeah. And running up and down the beach uh i also really liked miriam shore as the society lady and for some reason i really giggled when she said published yeah because he won a pulitzer 
Pulitzer. You want a Pulitzer. He got published. Oh my god! And then of course, when they're kissing or not kissing, when they're specifically not kissing, and he just won't stop talking. Yes, I just, yes. I just thought that was great. And this was the least physical comedy episode of the movie, but right. I think it might be one of the ones I enjoyed the most. Yeah, and so ah. Oh. So great. Um, yes. And then he he calls back the devil and he's like, listen, he's got to go back to work. So then, uh, you know, we get this great moment of him being late for work and the boss giving him a hard time. And he just very, again, like quietly, calmly suppresses his rage and just says, OK, I'm sorry. I'll go back to work because you imagine this guy has been the ideal employee for the past four years, four plus years. And then one day he's late and already the boss is like, you're late. Like, fuck you, man. But Brendan Fraser's like, all right, I got bigger things to deal with. The devil really is pushing him to make those wishes, but he wants to take his last two wishes very slowly so that he can get them right. Ah, ah, ah. This is when the devil lets him know that the Big Mac and the coat counted as his very first wish. So this is bad. Uh, uh, and so then we get more, we get more kind of taunting and mayhem, right? Like he gets thrown into jail. He goes to church. He goes to right. God's house <laughs> thinking he can get help there. But when he tell, I like that part. And again, perfect Brendan Fraser delivery when he tells the priest, totally deadpanned, uh, the devil gave me three wishes, but she gypped me for a Big Mac and a Coke. Yeah. I need to talk to God. Yeah, and he's like, no, but that's not fair. <laughs> I need to talk to God directly. And the priest is like, all right, cool. And then sends him to jail. Right. Um. And so he goes to jail. He's thrown into jail by sexy cop Elizabeth Hurley. And then in jail, he meets up with this guy. Who John was- Coffey. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not it's not John Coffey, but it's, it's basically discount John Coffey. I'm trying to remember who the actor is who played his cellmate. Yeah, um, I'm trying to look it up now. But, but, but he green-miled him. It's very clearly God. Um, and so Brendan Fraser gets let out of jail. He wanders the streets and then he goes to the club. Like he wanders by the club, goes into the club where Elizabeth Hurley is. Now the club has got a bit more of a sinister, weird tone. And Elizabeth Hurley calls him into her office. And then she's like, all right, you have to use your last wish. And he's like, no. And then she turns into mega awesome, fiery, horned devil, which she then immediately turns back into sexy Elizabeth Hurley, gigantic uh, snakeskin bikini, death by snooze. I've seen porns like this. (laughs) What? I said, I've seen porns like that. Yeah, it's definitely (laughs) a a death by snooze snoo moment. It's. It's like it's like the ultimate Elizabeth Hurley. Uh, and then I have a wishes. feeling there are some people who've replayed that scene over and over. I don't know what you're talking about, but <laughs> it um, I actually completely forgot about that scene until it popped up. But as soon as I saw that scene again, I was like, oh, yep, yep. I remember that. Yep. Uh, 
And so, of course, with his very last wish, he comes to realize no matter what he wishes for, the devil cannot give it to him. So he's going to use his last wish to wish for Allison to have a happy life. And so then, bam, of course, boom, she makes it happen. And then he wakes up on the steps of uh, the courthouse. And immediately, Elizabeth Hurley is so freaking charming because she's like, good job, buddy. You did the self-sacrifice. You saved yourself. You learned a lesson. We're all better for it. I'm so proud of you. I really did like you. Like, it was so cute. Elizabeth Hurley was just so cute in this scene. And oh, then, I loved that. And I loved how she she kind of clarified the ambiguity and said, you know how people think me and him are on right. opposite sides? We actually work together. Yeah. Uh, and I, I thought that was cute. And I also liked uh, her throwaway God line in the beginning where she says, most men think they're God. This one just happens to be right. Right. And so it's very nice. And I like how she's like, well, you know, I could always give you seven more wishes. Like, this is a lot of fun. Like, I, I like hanging out with you, buddy. Let's spend more time together. And he's like, no, that's okay. Um, and then we get this very strange moment. I don't know how you feel about it. Where essentially he meets Allison's doppelganger, who is just as nerdy and quirky and annoying and perfect for him in she a way. She has the same speakers. Right. Which was very funny because he had the pictures of the speakers earlier. It was, it's a very cute movie. Um, and then, yeah, it cuts to them at the end at the park and it gives their both little like thing from the beginning of the movie to bookend it. Um, and God and, and God the and, devil and are her. playing chess. Yeah, and she's trying to cheat. Oh, those two. Yeah, but it's cute because he turns back yeah. and he's like, I caught you. And she's like, uh-oh. Yeah, it's very charming. And I also did like that we got the scene at his office where he stands up to oh, yeah, yeah, his yeah. workplace bullies shows them that he's not going to get walked all over anymore. He doesn't care about being liked anymore. Right. And what do you know? It makes him way more likable. Uh, and then I liked the scene where he asked out Allison because he did it in yeah. a way that was nice and cool and not desperate or needy. And he you know, accepts it like a gentleman when she says she already has a boyfriend because of course Allison already has a boyfriend. Right. Uh, and, and yeah, you know, it feels like him meeting the Allison clone is kind of a just reward for all the pain he's gone through in the movie. Right. That's one of those things where like at this point in the movie, I, as a film goer, want a satisfying happy ending like that's all i want so uh yeah i like that that this movie's version of poo-pooing on the bad guy and in the bad guy in this in this movie is like the co-workers who are mean to him even though he's a nice guy although it is a little bit justifiable why they're mean to him because he's also super annoying but this movie's version of poo-pooing on them of comeuppance it's just him grabbing the guy by the shirt and then just pushing him away and going, I'm done with you characters. Like you're not even part of my story anymore. So like, that was like a really mature moment for a very goofy, silly comedy. Um, but ultimately the movie is 
very like it's a very maturely made comedy that also is like very boyish and how silly it is and how much they treat as elizabeth hurley like a devil barbie doll it's a classic harold ramis joint yeah and so i don't know yeah i definitely think this movie holds up what a great movie i don't know if you have any closing closing things to to say about this movie but closing comments about this movie i i feel like i've said it all i think yeah. that we are ready for the question who would you kill from this movie who would you damn to hell <laughs> since we're talking the devil um who would i damn to hell that's a good question who would you damn to hell the guy who makes fun of him and kicks sand at him when he's sensitive. Because I oh, think it's yeah. the same guy, the one that he grabs by the shirt at the end, yep, who right. really yeah, 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 takes yeah, yeah. joy in making fun of Elliot. I'd kill him. Yeah, I can see that. I guess I would kill the boss who is like, hey, you're late. Obviously, that stuck a that struck a chord with me that since I mentioned it, but like, yeah, this guy's been um, even though he's annoying, he's been a model employee who's been on time for the past four plus years. He's he's late for one day. Cut him some slack. Like, get the get out of here. Go to hell, guy. <laughs> you corporate. Go to hell. You soulless corporate zombie. <laughs> You're already one foot in hell. i think that that's a good kill i i accept that one uh so how was remixing this movie into a horror i had a lot of fun with it although yeah i i basically just came up with a very soft pitch um but it should be a very good one oh i'm excited to hear that i you know these past few weeks i've kind of struggled with my um creative flow i've been i've been giving a lot of softballs because um i'm not having those amadeus moments lately like i have in the past um but you know it comes and goes and you just gotta move on i would say that i have definitely done better remixes with the (laughs) devil as a character if you want to listen to josie and the pussycats uh, or Satan's cheerleaders. I think, I, I think I already, it, that might be the problem is I, I already took out of my head, my best ideas where the devil is a character. So when, once we got here, I was struggling to think of a, something I hadn't done before and just be, you know, something that really flowed for me. Uh, so I, I had a tricky time with with both of these remixes, but I have faith that my uh, my Amadeus flow is going to come back. I think so. Um, I think that your ideas will probably be a little bit better than you think, too. Uh, do you well, want to go first we'll on this one? or I'll go first just because I have a feeling okay. mine's going to be shorter. I gotcha. uh, and, and this is, like I said, you know, I think it was either last episode or the episode before last that I've got an elevator pitch, but we're only going two floors. That's kind of the way it is. All right. Uh, so I called mine to be or not to be dazzle. <laughs> okay. 
I also thought of calling the movie Vajazzle, but I didn't have a strong enough horror plot just around Vajazzling as a concept. So a strong that enough, one's at. A strong enough horror plot? A horror plot? <laughs> Vajazzle? The horror movie? <laughs> the horror, horror movie. movie? <laughs> no, no, no Vajazzling or whores in this but movie. But also, you, you also did a period movie once and that was <laughs> oh that's right blood, <laughs> that the was last a great period. one blood the last period was a great horror movie i thought it was excellent actually that was a rom-com but oh, right, right, I, right 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 i think that the world needs more feature length period jokes call me hollywood uh <laughs> so in to be or not to be dazzled the devil is having an ex. This is a horror comedy, by the way. I, I couldn't make it into a horror horror because Bedazzled is so funny and fun that it's just I couldn't put myself into a dark enough place right. uh, to to make it into a, a full fledged. I don't know, um, like what's that the art? Like something Ari Aster would make, which I just can't do anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the, the devil is having an existential crisis because they are no longer the top earner of souls in hell. I do like the idea of hell as a corporation. So we'll, we'll keep that as a concept. Now, the top earner is Kyle, a recently deceased tech billionaire. I just like also the idea of somebody just named Kyle being the bad guy, like, oh, God, well, the devil's scary, but just wait till you meet Kyle. I can confirm all Kyles are bad guys. Uh, there you have it. Because my brother is Kyle. He's a guy, <laughs> and he is a bad guy. Oh, well, Kyle gets up to some shenanigans He's my here. nemesis. <laughs> because, uh, because he basically boots the devil out of hell. He has a hostile takeover <laughs> sure. uh, and then traps the devil on earth in the body of mega sexy Elizabeth Hurley. I, I would not necessarily say like the devil looks in the mirror and it says, why am I Elizabeth Hurley? But that's just the devil. Elizabeth Hurley as the devil is just so much fun for me. So somehow through shenanigans and hijinks, the devil teams up with Elliot uh, to get back into hell and defeat Kyle. And they come up with this plan to bomb the annual meeting of the Bilderberg group uh, <laughs> to net the most valuable damned souls and then cut off Kyle's supply of soul gain, souls gained. Because we find out that the reason that Kyle was able to collect so many souls more than the devil herself was because he changed the terms and conditions on all of the major apps that require people to sell their soul when they hit agree. Yeah. Because nobody reads the terms and conditions, even though they should. I don't even read them, uh, even though I should. So the trouble is, of course, that Elliot, the devil is like all about like, okay, yeah, let's kill the Bilderbergs. Like we're going to just nuke them and I'm going to get back into hell. But Elliot being the good guy that he is, he's like, there's got to be another way. 
So they find out about the terms and conditions thing. And Elliot is able to hack into the systems, make the changes, deleting the soul clause. And then we get this nice big finale payoff where all the souls that Kyle had con- con- collected suddenly go back up to heaven. And maybe if Kyle has like a like an employee meter that shows all the souls he's connected, we see it like co- go all the way down to zero. And then I put that nobody has to die, but the devil hates that. So Elliot and her kill Jeff Bezos for fun. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, really, the only person that dies is one billionaire, trillionaire, whatever, how much, however much money or capital he has now. Actually, no, better than Jeff Bezos. What if they kill the CEO of Bank of America? I think that would be really cool too. Whoa. Uh, but yeah, I just, uh, I I thought that it would be funny to have this weird corporatist plot where it all hinges on something like terms and conditions for the apps we use every day. And I don't know, I just, that was my main concept. So that's really it, to be or or not to be dazzled. Yeah. I also think like there's, there is potential there for, the devil wanting to kill the Bilderberg people. But if you kill the Bilderberg people, then you're only further fueling the conspiracies surrounding the Bilderberg people. So you do run into the danger of martyring them, which would be Mm. bad. So I do think that like the devil is so singularly minded on just killing them. But Brendan Fraser has to be the one who's like, sensical about it to the point where he's like no you don't want to create a martyrdom and so you can have tension there where there's like they have to kill them but in a very specific way so right right brendan fraser sees what the devil can't because he's a good normal person right Uh, and i just think you could have some fun fish out of water stuff if the devil were forced to walk the earth versus you know popping in and out as she pleases yeah all right to be or not to be dazzled. Of course, <laughs> it had to be. Um, <laughs> All right, what was yours? Okay, so mine is going to just be called Be Cursed. Ooh. And I've been watching some of them Rob Zombie movies lately. <laughs> so we're going to go for kind of like a Rob Zombie kind of vibe. So what I this is I would watch is, a Rob Zombie movie for this podcast by the way. What this is is Satan. I mean, we'll just make Dr. Satan. <laughs> yeah. We'll just make Satan um Elizabeth Hurley, right? Why not? But she's t- kind of tempting Elliot in the same way that the symbiote is tempting Peter Parker. You know what okay, I mean? Okay, okay. So like Peter Parker at first likes the symbiote and he's, he's like, he's super powerful with the symbiote. But then not only does he do something to piss off the symbiote, like Spider-Man pisses off the symbiote, but then Peter Parker pisses off Eddie Brock. So when Eddie Brock and the symbiote get together, it creates Venom, one of Spider-Man's most toughest, most fearsome foes. So in this sense, Satan is going to try to lure in Elliot, but is going to fail However, Satan is then going to be led through
through her failure to the Eddie Brock of this movie who uses his seven wishes not for a better life, but he uses all seven to wish Elliot dead. So now we just have a slasher flick thing of like a running man scenario. where So Elliot, he final destinationed Elliot. Right. So now Elliot has to defeat the seven wishes personified in order to live. So of course the seven wishes are going to come in the form of the seven deadly sins. So I came up with the world design for this and I don't have any plot. I'm just going to give you a rundown of what these characters are going to look like. So the greed character is going to be this very shadowy, drippy, oozy character, but it has moments where it can create a temporary shell of, of physical form in the shape of like gold coins. But then if the, if the character is hit physically or battled physically or crushed or something, the gold coins shed off into copper pennies. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So it's like this character who is really gold and like rich and strong, but then ultimately is very weak and feeble and not exactly what um, that they said that they were. So then we have, sloth sloth is just going to be a statue but again this is all like running man type stuff so we're going to have like a hub world where every time he defeats the monster he gets transported back to the hub world so he can like have another chat with satan so we get more elizabeth hurley time in there and then he has to walk through another door to confront another death wish that's not his death wish. It's someone else's death wish. Ooh, no. What if Sloth isn't just a statue, but, you know, Brendan's going back into uh, the Total Recall world or whatever to fight the next boss. He's looking for Sloth, and he walks by a living statue on the street. Yeah. And it I turns gotcha. out to be him, and maybe he looks behind him, and it, it seems like the statue is becoming getting closer to him, right. but they're not moving. Well, yeah, we can have. A, I'm thinking of um, like Hellraiser, of course, where like we're not in the real world, we're in this pan's labyrinthian, underworldly, like um, uh. Dante's Inferno kind like that's why I think Rob Zombie would be great for this like to create this other world so he's not just out in the open but like yeah this idea of having a living statue follow him and just having like I don't know how he defeats the statue but the sloth is like a statue that does have an overwhelming creepy presence right pride pride would be um like a sort of like i don't know pride would be kind of like an ugly ish character like a weird ugly creature and it would be very funny but in a scary way and i don't know how to say that i'm sure that there's probably like a a character out there who i'm thinking of but like sometimes a character can be funny and like in a very scary way i don't know We'll see. Like an like, insult comic? Maybe. I, I'm just thinking of um, maybe like Benicio Del Toro. If I told Benicio Del Toro be funny in a scary way, he'd be like, I got you. Um, he is really good at that. <laughs> uh, lust. The lust demon 
would actually be everyone else. So, like, I'm thinking maybe in this scenario, this is the one that's closest to to real life, where, like, we dangle a character in front of our Brendan Fraser character who he loves, but it's actually lust is all the other characters around him are lusting after him. So while he's lusting Ooh. after someone, they're lusting after him, and he has to kind of like, like stop lusting after the lady to realize he's actually in danger or something. I don't know. Envy can be a clone, so like a Dark Link Nega Scott, like a clone, obviously. Okay, okay. Uh, but like the perfect clone, like a very, yeah, Wrath. Like gay Brendan Fraser. Right. <laughs> I'm thinking Wrath could be um, someone who's very patient. But also, all I wrote was patient, but fast. So I don't know what that means. I don't know. I'm just going to keep going. If if I think about it later, I'll, I'll come up to it. But then uh, Gluttony is just this weak character who's very weak, but has moments of like this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde bouts of strength point is he defeats all these demons and then the eddie brock character comes out and says like ah now that you've defeated all the seven demons you've given me the power i need to rise up and crush you blah 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 but of course then the devil comes out and says like hey yeah now that the contract has been fulfilled and now that you are a super strong demon who can actually kill brendan fraser no problem uh sorry but your soul is mine and i'm gonna recruit you for my army or something so get to hell i'm saving brendan fraser but not because i want to but because your contract has been fulfilled sorry buddy that's how the devil works and you know of course the eddie he brock loves character. making affiliate Ugh. networks eddie character or the eddie brock character is like oh i should have known damn you the devil and it's like no damn you um and then another thing is the devil taunts him. I liked I liked at the end of Constantine how the devil's like, no, I'm going to let you live because you have to prove that, that you are worthy of hell instead of you are worthy of heaven. It's so awesome. But the devil's tauntingness at the end of this was you have to live because you have so many more Eddie Brocks to give me. <laughs> like Ooh. you have, you have so many more people who hate you so much that I can use their hate in my army of hell. And that just fucks with Brendan Fraser's mind. And he's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> oh, I love that setup. Yeah. And so that's it. Just again, Rob Zombie meets, um, uh, meets, Guillermo del Toro in that sense of this is all just about world building and character building. This is like the horror version of Mortal Kombat. Like just throw a bunch of cool looking characters out there with cool gimmicks and just make the whole movie about like character instead of plot. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think that there is definitely space for movies like that. And, and often it's a great, um, vehicle for camp uh, yeah. movies that are just more driven by character and episodes than say a plot but I like that I dig it yeah so that's Be Cursed and you got the setup for Be Cursed 2 and Be Cursed 3 yeah 
we can yeah we can go from are there seven deadly sins and seven virtues right but are there seven in-betweens are there seven purgatoriums oh i've got you <laughs> the cursed the cursed three the cursed apocalypse all about brendan fraser versus is it three or four horsemen of the apocalypse you went to sunday school you know four yeah four the four horsemen of the apocalypse yeah death famine pestilence and plague or something yeah yeah Yeah. i would love to see him go up against those guys because i mean the seven deadly sins that was level one right now you're up to the big boys these bosses have two health bars (laughs) i love it yeah i thought that was very inspired i like that one All right. Well, before we get into our love bites for the day, our recommendations to you folks, just want to remind you to listen and subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NecromancerPod. All right. Love bites. What do you got for us today, Brett? All right. Well, John Carpenter dropped a new single called Halloween Kills, which is from the new Halloween sequel to the Halloween sequel that rewrote all the other Halloween sequels and retconned the Halloween franchise and was a sequel to the original Halloween movie. If you guys are fans of Halloween, you're following right along with what I'm saying. But being a horror fan sounds very confusing sometimes. Oh my God. It's almost as bad as being an anime fan. Um can't confirm (laughs) that's a mess uh so yeah halloween kills is the sequel to david david i don't know but halloween kills is the sequel to the most recent one that came out and so i watched that movie again so i'm kind of recommending that movie but i'm also kind of recommending rob zombies halloween which was the reboot of the original and My love bite is officially going to be Halloween 2, Rob Zombie's sequel to his reboot. Wait, now I'm confused. Are you recommending John Carpenter's music or are you recommending Halloween? (laughs) Or are you recommending both? Sort of both. I'm saying that because John Carpenter's single came out, I went back to watch some of the latest Uh... reiterations of his Worked. So Rob Zombie did the reboot of Halloween and then he did a sequel and the sequel is a mess. Don't get me wrong. It's not a particularly great movie, but I did some reading up on the movie and it's just one of those movies that's fascinating if you know the behind the scenes of it, because what the movie's going for what oh, like Mariah movie... Carey's glitter. Glitter. Yes, that's exactly what I was just going to say. <laughs> like when we watched Glitter, it was you and me and Sonia, and you and Sonia had read her book. So I, when I was watching Glitter, I was trying to put together the movie that I thought they were trying to make, put together the movie that they did make, and put together the movie that you guys were telling me she tried to make. And so it just was this weird movie watching experience. And I think Halloween 2 is a very cool, weird movie watching experience. However, it's a love bite only for those people who like horror movies. Because or if, if you you're want... a Rob Zombie completionist. Yes. Um, because it's a, it's a weird mess. But also, 
so if you're a if you're a horror movie fan and you really want to go on that deep dive of like an interesting meta journey of watching a, a, a movie and what it started versus what it became by all means rob zombies halloween 2 hit me up i'll talk to you about it all day but for the general necromancer audience out there uh just google or youtube john carpenter halloween kills and listen to that sweet sweet four minute single i don't i don't don't know what the kids say nowadays it's not a banger i wouldn't call it a banger but a slasher can a can a song (laughs) be a slasher in the case of john carpenter a hundred percent all right very nice so yeah halloween kills and rob zombies halloween too uh how about you what's your love bite Well, this movie showed us the handsome, or sorry, (laughs) I got ahead of myself in my brain. Uh, This movie gave us the devil as a beautiful woman. And I am here to recommend a little comic that is on Webtoon called The Devil is a Handsome Man. And Mm. this comic, unfortunately, it's incomplete and shout out to the author angle i just want so badly for you to continue this comic because it's so good uh the comic follows a devil woman living in the metropolis of hell which is sort of envisioned almost like new york city here is on a quest to understand herself and she has flashbacks of a former life that she had as a as a lieutenant or warrior for the devil during the um the war between heaven and hell but in modern life in her day-to-day life she works for the devil as i don't know if she's his personal assistant or she's she's somewhere within the corporate ladder and the way that the devil is depicted in this comic is as a handsome man like with a great haircut and suit but a hole where his face is so you get the sense that the devil must have been so beautiful that when he lost to God, God took his face. Right. Because he couldn't, it was too charming, too beautiful, too powerful. So when the comic is called The Devil is a Handsome Man, but it's almost ironic because yeah. the devil has no face. When but, you say has no face, how exactly do you mean? Like like there is a void. Like where so his it's face like a see through. Like you can see what's on the not other even, side. Not even like a like a an abyss. Like a dark oh, okay. hole where All his right. face should be. Uh, but even so, you know the way he's drawn his body language. You get the sense that there is an attraction there between him and Zolia. Uh, and he knows more about her past than she does. And all of the characters in this comic are demons or devils. And so they have weird um, devil-like anthropomorphic things. Like uh, one of the characters has a horn going out through where his right eye should be. But everyone kind of looks like a cool hipster devil that you'd want to hang out with. Uh, And I just think that it's a very beautifully drawn series. It's interesting. I think that the way that she depicts hell is interesting. It almost has a bit of a Constantine-esque plot because there's some some hijinks on the angel side 
that make up sort of the villain plot of the story. But I have a really sentimental soft spot for this comic. Angle, please continue it. It's just so sad that this comic is incomplete. Even though it's incomplete, though, I highly recommend reading it because it's just a a really interesting series, and I I love the way that it's drawn. Yeah, I'm looking on uh, Google Images right now. And I told looks... you, there's a hole where his face should be. Yeah, right. No, you're right. It's like a. It's a, you're right. It's a void. It's just a. It's just black. Yeah, but he looks cool. cool, right? Yeah, but his posture, right? Yeah, his you can tell that he's a handsome man. That's right. Yeah. Okay, well, that's it for the the day, folks. Tell us, Brett, how would the Big Daddy Devil Mars send us away? Um, I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm panicking. I don't know my British slang. What's a, what's, what's a word? What's how would you? How would Elizabeth Hurley? What's like a naughty, a, a naughty flirty thing? That cheeky cheerio. I, I don't know. Cheerio, my cheeky little. <laughs> <laughs> Necromancer is produced by Brett Dorman and Shira Moore. The theme song is Symphonia 3 by Kevin McLeod on the album Oddities.